Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Warm welcome to the afternoon show and a very blessed good Friday. I am so grateful that you have tuned into Faith Radio today on this holiest and sacred day. I'm very much looking forward to talking to Pastor Brent McDougall, who's my guest. He is the senior pastor at First Baptist in Knoxville. And we're going to talk about the significance uh, today and what's so good about Good Friday. Hello, Brent. Hello. Great to be with you. It is so nice to have you back on, and I hope you've had a good week, and I'm so grateful that you could spend time with me and my listening audience today, as we can't get enough of this conversation. Anything relative to Holy Week is something that energizes me. It's such an important week in the life of the Church, and a lot is compressed in this week, you know? Uh, We talk about Palm Sunday with Jesus riding in on a donkey, and then other events happen that are just so important to the the life of uh, God's people from the gift of communion and Jesus washing his disciples' feet. You know, Peter's denial, an incredible example of, of God's forgiveness, working with someone in their greatest moment of failure. And then, of course, the cross and the resurrection. I mean, this really, this week sort of encapsulates the centerpiece of our faith, and uh, it's just always good to um, to celebrate each year. Yeah, I guess uh, earlier in the week was talking about if you add up all the chapters of the Gospels, you have 89 chapters total, and a third of them talk about this week. Right. Yeah, it's also called His Passion, yes. and it's His, it's his you know, trek to the cross. And um, sometimes this, um, you know, this week we think that— um, some things are not happening, like on, on a day like Wednesday. Sometimes people call it Silent Wednesday uh, just because we don't know anything that happened. But we do know that one thing Jesus didn't do is he, he never left Jerusalem. He, he never <laughs> headed across the Jordan and out of town. He went to the cross and uh, fulfilled his mission, and uh, he didn't quit. Yeah, it, it's a, every time I start to think about this week, Brent, I, I, get, I get incredibly emotional all week. Yes. Yeah. What makes you so emotional? Uh, what is it? What does it speak to you especially? Well, usually I ask the questions, but I, pre- <laughs> but I, I appreciate you playing a uh, show host. Um, you know, the very crucifixion and the, the, the sacrifice that he made so that you and I and Rosie can live and live eternally yeah. and that we can have yeah. our sins forgiven. We can have the power of sin broken in our lives and we can be given the opportunity to place our faith and trust in him. None of this is possible without the sacrifice he made. And when I think of the punishment he took, and I remember when The Passion of the Christ came out, that movie that Mel Gibson made, I assume you saw it and everyone else saw it. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing it for the first time and then saying to my my mother, uh, I said, Mom, I'd love to take you to this movie. And I don't know why I started down this this rabbit hole with this Mm -hmm. story, Mm because I don't know if I'll be able to spit it out right now. But I okay. took her. I took her there, and during the flogging scene, mm. she, um, yeah, she, she just wept. Yeah, and just uh. wept. And she said, "Oh my lord," 
She just would vocally say that in the movie theater. Yeah. I wept in that scene, too. Um, Just because I think we can read it on the page. Uh, We can even talk about it, you know, throughout church life. But I mean, to I think to have seen it in that in that way that really represented exactly what happened. You you recognize the the extent of his sacrifice, um, the pain that he was willing to suffer. And I just think also the solidarity that he that he showed with every person who's ever felt like an outcast or felt like they weren't worthy of love. He, he went all the way to the cross for every single person. And, uh, yeah, that, that sacrifice, um, should just bring us to our knees again and again. Do you have any other questions that'll make me cry? (laughs) Well, how'd you feel when the, uh, (laughs) when he came out of the grave, you know, I was so happy, Brent. I was so glad (laughs) that that moment of uh, sunlight I thought was so beautiful. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, I think the, um, you know, what makes the resurrection all the more powerful is knowing how much he suffered. Yes. And, you know, Good, Good Friday is our, is our time to pause and to help us to just remember, look, you can't, you can't rush too quickly to, to Easter Sunday. Of course, we love the joy and the celebration, but what makes it such a celebration is knowing how much he endured and overcame to give us uh, abundant life and eternal life one day. Yeah, I, I you know I have a fairly low pain threshold, so I always assume for the longest time that when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he's thinking, "I don't want to go through this pain." I, I used to think yeah. when I was a kid that that's what he was all nervous about, and I thought, "No, no, 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 he's taking on the sin of the world, and will be separated from the Father." That's what I think he was dreading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the agony, the agony uh, for yeah. him was was such a such throughout, a burden. Yeah, throughout yeah. all of mm-hmm. eternity, they've been together. And now they're mm. they're not so. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have thoughts on that too, but this is not about mm. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, how great is the love the Father's lavished upon us, yeah. right? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Made a way for us to become sons and daughters of God. He um, he went the distance, and uh, we're we're the beneficiaries of his of his great love. So yeah, what a week it is. Yeah, it's a phenomenal week, and mm. as we contemplate and reflect on and get quiet with the Lord, I, I would I would pray and hope that nothing but gratitude pours out of our hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think gratitude is the um is the place also that comes out of humility, you know, recognizing we couldn't do this for ourselves and and uh what he gave to us was sheer grace. And then I would add that um from that gratitude we we commit our lives and mm-hmm. we say, well, Lord, you know, whatever you whatever you want, wherever you want it, whatever you want to do through me, uh, you've given me everything. So how can I not, you know, return return my life to you and say, let it be a blessing for others? Yeah, Amen. Pastor Brent McDougall is my guest, and blessings to you on this Good Friday. And we are contemplating this incredible week and the hope that we have for celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior on uh, Resurrection Day. And we're, um, I, I can't uh, get enough of this kind of conversation this week. Uh, you know, I just I've asked all my guests to come just talk about the week, anything you want to share. And uh, yes, yeah, I know you've got. Well, let's talk about Good Friday a little bit. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about, you know, we, we call it Good Friday, um, but um, 
it's an interesting interesting name for it. When I was a kid, my grandmother, uh, I would stay at her home when we visited, and, and she would say good morning. That was always her standard, really, first thing. <laughs> and when I didn't respond, she would say, well, you're probably thinking, what's good about it? You know, you, you got to get up. It's not such a good morning. Mm-hmm. When we talk about, you know, Good Friday, um, we, we might more effectively call it, you know, Terrible Friday, or we might, you know, call it the Worst Friday, certainly for for Jesus, and we might ask, you know, what's good about it? You know, what is, why do we call it this? So I was reflecting some this week about what's good about Good Friday, and and just several things that came to mind. One of them is that um, on Good Friday, God's goodness was on full display. We see the goodness of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says in uh, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. We see God's goodness uh, while we were still sinners being extended to us. And so um, the cross in a symbol of death was transformed into just an incredible symbol of um, how God is good. He's good to us. You know, it says in Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's good. That's the declaration of of Good Friday. I think another thing that makes Good Friday good is that um, the sacrifice that he made for us was for our good. You know, he he did something for us that ultimately gave us an incredible benefit, and he gave it uh, voluntarily. He laid down his life so that we could have something that we could not achieve for ourselves. We can't earn God's forgiveness. We can't merit it. There are not enough good works we could ever do in order to uh, have God's forgiveness extended to us, that he just gave it to us as a sheer gift. So I think that it's good on Good Friday to remember that uh, the sacrifice that he made was for for our good. And I I just would want everyone to know that um, when you follow Jesus Christ, when you accept his forgiveness, when you lean into his love, he is good. You are making a choice for your own goodness because he only has good for you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want ill for you. He wants the best thing for you. If um, if all that we needed was, was knowledge, then God might have sent a professor. You know, if all that we needed was, was healing, God might have sent a doctor. But no, he sent a savior because the thing we needed the most was the forgiveness of sins. So the sacrifice he made was for our good. Uh, third thing I might say is that um, God made that sacrifice even when we weren't even close to being good. I mean, we we were completely separated from God. Um, and, you know, the Bible says, well, someone might die for a good person, someone that maybe they, they like. But while we were still sinners, he died for us. And um, he gave his life in spite of our lack of goodness. You know, I think about uh, Peter's denial. Peter said, Lord, I want to go to the cross with you. I, I want to I lay down my life for you. And, and Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times um, before the night is over. You're not even going to make it through the night. Peter wanted to have this great sign of goodness toward God, but, but Jesus was so good to him in, in not allowing him to go to the cross. And then immediately following that, that word about Peter's denial, that's when Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. 
you trust in God, you know, trust also in me. And I think he's saying, Peter, I know you're going to deny me, but I I want you to just stay and keep believing in me, keep, keep loving me. So Peter's weakness became just an incredible story of redemption when he was reinstated and and becoming the leader of the church. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing, last thing I might share is that, um, you know, Good Friday is good because his death uh, and resurrection help us to live good lives. You know, none of us are good in and of ourselves, but through the resurrection, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to to do good things, and uh, other people will see those good things as our light shines before before others. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why we call it Good Friday because you know it's for our good. It has nothing to do with our goodness. The sacrifice was made for our um, our good, and God's goodness is is just on full display. And I'm so thankful for the cross. Yeah, as and am I. Uh, all that Jesus has done for me. Mm-hmm. Pastor Brent McDougal is my guest. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back. to you on this Good Friday. My guest is Pastor Brent McDougal, and we are uh, talking about what is so good about Good Friday. And Brent, it's been a, a you know, a great reminder of the, when you talk about the, the way in which our faith, the way in which the Holy Spirit living inside of us can go out in this very broken world and be salt and light, be ambassadors for the living, risen Savior, and try our our, our best to expand the kingdom through the power that he gives us. That's right. I just love the way that Jesus includes us in his mission and that the church is uh, birthed with a uh, commission to go and to declare the gospel. And as Jesus talked about the great commandment to, to demonstrate to the world that we love God and that we love one another and um, we're seeking to love our neighbors. So I think that kind of that kind of love really does um, make a difference in our world at a time when I just see love on the decrease in our culture with more and more division and polarization. I think that as information increases exponentially, somehow our love is decreasing uh, incrementally. And because that's true, I think that all the more we need to be um, those who are those ambassadors that make a difference in our culture and not sit on the sidelines, but really stand up for, for what God has done and the difference he makes in our lives. Brent, I think your point about love decreasing is so right on. I think there's been a, a more and more people will, will just sort of categorize people nowadays instead of encountering them as image bearers of God, they will go, oh, he's one of those guys, or, you know, we're, we're quickly divisive in putting people in categories. Yes. I think it's becoming increasingly difficult to become or to be a Christian in our culture. Um, and unfortunately, I think because of the confusion of Satan and because of the um, hostility that we see in our country, there's just a lot of distrust and uh, so much um, confusion and deception that marks our culture. And, uh, you know, Jesus said in Matthew twenty four twelve, because of the increase of wickedness, 
the love of most will grow cold. Mm. And so Where is that even again? though we see uh, it's Matthew 24:12. Matthew 24:12, okay. So even though we see that decrease of love, I believe we've got a great opportunity. I mean, if we can be truly people of God's love and and embodying the love of Christ in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, wherever we find ourselves, I think it's going to be shocking to some people. And my hope is that people will be drawn to that through the Spirit as they see a different kind of love that, that is represented most by the cross. And Brent, it's sometimes it's simple as an extended conversation with a neighbor in a driveway or rolling your window down and just saying hi. Starting small incrementally and then trying to just show the love of Christ whenever you can. Right. We talk about three things at our church, asking people to be on the lookout. And uh, one of those is to be sure to pray for people, pray for your neighbors, you know, pray for your coworkers, and ask the Lord to give you opportunity in those prayers to, to be a witness and to show God's love to them. The second thing we ask people to do is kind of look for the zone of curiosity. So if you're in that driveway with the neighbor, you know, you're listening out for, is there any any spiritual interest? Is there any way that God is working in their lives? I think it's very difficult to introduce a spiritual element if people are not ready for that. And so looking to see how God might be working. And then the third thing that we ask people to do is to either, you know, invite them to a church gathering, some way of getting to know other believers where they can hear the gospel, or to ask the Lord right then to be able to share that that word of, um, of encouragement and just to know who Jesus is. So I think we need to always be looking for those opportunities because you just never know how the Spirit is going to move. And you need five minutes of conversation before you might hear about a relative that is ill or a right. child that's in trouble or something that's going on that you could say, I like to pray at night and I'd love to add your son, your daughter, your mother, your coworker on the prayer list. Would you mind? Yes, right. So you're talking about, you know, being in extended conversation, you know, not not rushing off, but really right. being in relationship and knowing your neighbors, knowing where their hurts are and being willing to stay long enough to, to listen to their story, I think is uh, a very important skill. You know, we talk about sharing the gospel kind of the way in which we're called to speak it, but we need to be listening first and seeking to understand where people are so that we'll know the right word to speak. Mm-hmm. I sometimes think of it as the gift of loitering, where you just, you just hang around a little bit longer than, than you had planned and maybe a little bit longer than they would expect you to hang around, and then all of a sudden the conversation goes to a different level. That's so good. Yeah, yeah that makes me think of Jesus with the woman at the well. You know how he, he stayed in conversation with her till they got to the, to the deeper stuff. Or, you know, other times where he met people um, uh, like, like the leper right outside of Bethsaida mm-hmm. and, uh, or, the, or the person who was born blind and spent time with him. And uh, healing was the result of that. So I love that, the gift of loitering. I'm going to use that. That's oh, really good. Do. Please do. You know, <laughs> it, doctors will say that, you know, after the exam or the, the appointment, as they're putting their hand on the doorknob to walk out the room, the patient usually says, oh, and one other thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, you right. Know, and sometimes uh, a loved one or a neighbor or someone that you know, as you are walking away, they, if, they, if you spend time with them, they might say, oh, I mean, there's one other thing. 
that I, I wouldn't mind, you know, having a conversation about with, with that, you know, good. just look for opportunities because they're all there. And if you ask God right. for them, boy, will they show up. Right. I think of uh, something I heard years ago about the inventor of the stethoscope. The doctor who invented the stethoscope said, listen, listen, listen. Your patient will tell you what's wrong with them. Wow. And don't we love doctors that spend time with us yes. long enough to, to hear us? And, uh, yeah, so we're, we're those who now represent the great physician. We're those that have the message of healing, the message of hope for people, and being willing to, to be moved by the Spirit when God opens that door uh, to listen and then to share what we have. I think it's, it's really as simple as that. Um, uh, you just never know when, when God's going to change someone's life. And a lot of times people are willing to tell you about an experience they had that didn't go well. If it's right. regarding a church experience or a spiritual experience or a grade school experience where they're, they, they'll, they'll say, this happened and I didn't, uh, ever since I didn't, wasn't interested in church or God. Right. Sometimes those things that they'll share are, are pretty severe. I mean, oh, I it could be a, a deep hurt, um, a deep wound because of a Christian or something that happened at church. And so we need in those moments to be extending empathy and listening and, and just sort of being willing to stay in the conversation. Other times people will share something that seems a pretty low bar to get over, you know, something, something minor that happened that seems yeah. to just kind of gotten stuck in their minds. And that may be a moment to kind of push through a little bit and say, well, that's not been my experience. Well, what would it be like if you gave it another try, you know, or, um, you know, that's not, that's not how my church operates. Yeah, and I'd right. love to love to have you have a different experience if you're open to it. If they yeah. do share that, it, it can, it brings us right to the cross and the goodness of this day. Right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, um, many people have not, have, they, they know something of, the good news, they know something of the cross, they know something of the resurrection, but they really don't know the fullness of it. They, they've never really had it explained to them. Mm -hmm. And so I do think it's important to um, be versed in Scripture so that you can, you can share as you're, as you're able to. I heard a, a great little mini message recently. He called it sharing your faith in one verse, and he just took that he just took that verse that says, uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Mm -hmm. And he said, he just unpacked it, you know, little by little, you know, uh, what, what does it mean for the wage? What does it mean yeah. to have the, uh, the penalty of, of sin? And, and how is a gift different? Mm -hmm. And what does it mean to call him Lord? Yeah. And within three or four minutes, he described the gospel using just that one verse. You know, Beautiful. we think we got to know it all, but maybe um, we just need to know a few things. Yeah, right. Well, Brett, yeah. have, a, have a wonderful and blessed uh, Resurrection Day, and thank you so much for being on the program today. It's been a joy to be with you. Blessings, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Take care. You bet. Pastor Brent McDougall has been my guest. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. 
What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. And blessed Good Friday. So glad that you are joining me today. We've got another opportunity today to focus on what is going on this week in the life of the church and what is happening uh, this week. My guest for the next uh, segment is Pastor Brent Kuhlman. He is the senior pastor at uh, Trinity Lutheran Church in Murdoch, Nebraska. And we're going to focus today on Isaiah 53. I can hardly wait. Hello, Brent. Hi, Bill. Peace be with you. Peace to be with you and bless, blessed Good Friday. Um, I'm excited for you and your church family this weekend and your your personal family. And I'm so glad you could join me today. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Yeah. So let us open the uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, and see what we can learn from verse 5. Well, I want to focus specifically on the last part of verse 5, where Isaiah prophesies that through the suffering servant's wounds, or depending on a translation, stripes, we are healed. I'll just use the, the wounds translation, okay? And the reason why I want to do that is because Jesus was wounded in many ways, or I should say in many parts of his body. So I want to focus on that, on the various parts of his body that were wounded for our healing. Now let's make it clear from the outset that Jesus doesn't suffer these wounds because he deserved them. Mm. Uh, That is to say, uh, he got these wounds because he committed sin and did wrong. He did not. Jesus was the sinless Son of God. Weird Pilate, you know, over and over again, when you read the gospel accounts, Pilate said he's not guilty, he's not guilty, he's not guilty. But as he is on the cross, crucified, he bears the sin of the world as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world that he did not commit. So in other words, it's my sin, it's your sin, it's the world's sin that he carries in his body and he's going to answer for and atone for through the blood that comes through these various wounds from his body. So uh, what I'm trying to say is that all these gashes, these cuts, uh, the abrasions and the lacerations on his body on the cross are the result of whose sin? Not his, but ours. Mm. And he suffers those injuries, those wounds in our place for our salvation. As Isaiah said in the first part of verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. So from those wounds of our Lord's Good Friday crucified body, those wounds heal us from the wounds of our sin against God and against other people, because John tells us in his first epistle, 1 John 1, verse 7, the blood of Jesus, God's Son, the blood that flows from those crucified wounds, Mm -hmm. purifies or cleanses us from all sin. And I can't help myself. Well, you remember John 20, the risen Christ, when he shows himself in the upper room, doesn't even knock, just shows up, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and he, he, they're afraid of the Jews, you know, and he's like, he says, peace be with you. Mm-hmm. And then he shows them his what? His hands and his side. Those are the wounds again, you see. And that's how they know that they have peace with God through him and his crucified body on the cross. So let's have, a, let's have great joy then in this segment and consider the wounds of our Lord. Let's start with the head first, shall we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Brent, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking of the words pierced and crushed and beaten and whipped, and those are the words that I'm associating with our, our Savior today. It's yeah, amazing. that's his passion. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And, 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 and play on the words here. Yeah, his passion, his suffering. And another way his passion is, is his passion is to save you through right. these wounds, if you will. So we all know from Scripture that his head was 
crushed or crowned with thorns. And they didn't just politely put them on his head. There's no doubt. They just ground them in his head. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Right. Okay, so you could say this, you know, where one thorn pierces our Lord's head, a thousand should have pierced our heads mm-hmm. for eternity because of our sin. But again, here's my point that I want to keep emphasizing. Here, Jesus then is deeply wounded for us and for the healing of our, of our mind. And I, I want to push this. So he suffers these wounds on his head for the healing of our mind, because we've lost our minds, Bill, <laughs> collectively mm-hmm. and individually. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that sin has driven us to madness. And what kind of madness am I talking about? Well, the Genesis 3 madness, that we all believe that we're gods and that we call the shots, mm-hmm. including our salvation. So our thinking, our minds, they're just totally disordered. And from our disordered minds, from our disordered thinking, comes all manner of uh, bedlam and chaos in our lives with our loves, our world, our work, and yes, especially our worship. So we need to be repented, and we need to be given a new way of thinking with our minds. And I'm not trying to push that against a heart, but we're just talking about mind at this point, okay? Okay. Now, in the Lutheran Church, in our, in our hymnal, in the Missouri Synod, there's a wonderful prayer that goes like this. I want to I read this. It says, let the incense of our repentant prayer, and it's based on Psalm 141. Let the incense of our repentant prayer ascend before you, O Lord, and let your loving kindness descend on us that with, now listen carefully, everybody, that with purified minds we may sing your praises. So did you all hear that? I did. (laughs) (laughs) I did hear that. Well, we need a new mind. That's my point. Mm-hmm. We, we need a mind that's been purified, um, a mind that isn't polluted, or, or we need to be unclouded. So we need the mind of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose head was pierced by thorns. And uh, you remember in Philippians 2, you know, when we start talking about these things, then all these scripture passages start flowing in my mind. Remember in Philippians 2, um, Paul says, have this mind among you like Mm -hmm. the mind of Christ, and it's always in the way of servant and serving others, not thinking highly of yourself. And so this includes the mind, a new mind, a purified mind. So, all right, his head, crowned with thorns. Those wounds are for the healing of our minds, so that we'll repent of our sins, you know, that we've lost our minds, and then we'll have a different mind, a mind that has been repented, faith in Christ for salvation, and then a mind that wants to serve other people like Christ did by giving his life on the cross. Mm, so good. Pastor Brent Kuhlman is my guest. We're talking about the wounds of Jesus. And I'm still stuck on the way that you describe them putting that crown of thorns on his head. They were not delicate. And I can only imagine the pain that he was dealing with. with... Right, and it's interesting. Now, I've speculated on that. The text doesn't explicitly say that. And I think there's a reason why. Um, I love the Mel Gibson movie, The Passion of the Christ, where it talks or it shows very graphically the what, the what of what happened. Mm -hmm. But that's really not the most important part, if I can do this, if I can make this distinction. The most important part is the why. (laughs) Okay? Now, I'm not diminishing the what, but the why is the most important. Right. 
Now, thorns. Now, again, here I can't help myself, Bill. So remember in Genesis 3, what marked the, the earth or the soil that was cursed because of Adam and Eve's sin? Thorns. Thorns, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so now it's thorns that mark the Savior's head. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, let's, let's ponder those wounds, those deep um, wounds or piercings on our Lord's forehead and scalp, because they are for the healing of our mind, all of our depressions, all of our anxieties, all of our false thinking, everything. I'm serious. Everything that has gone wrong in our heads mm-hmm. is now made right in this head, capital H head, that is crowned with thorns. Oh, and here's another one. So, oh, okay, so you remember, again, the resurrection account in Luke 24, the Emmaus disciples, um, Jesus gave them a mind (laughs) to understand the... He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, that he was prophesied in the Old Testament to suffer, die, and rise again. So this this is what I'm trying to say, and I hope people are connecting the dots here. When we ponder the passion of our Lord and his wounds, the first wounds we're talking about today is on his head with the crown of thorns. And so part of this is a new mind so that we finally, maybe for the first time in our life, now we know what the Old Testament scriptures were about. The crucified Christ. Mm -hmm. The risen Christ for your salvation. And so with that kind of faith in Jesus Christ who died for you for all your sin, answering for all of your sin, defeating death, hell, Satan, the grave, answering for God's wrath. With that kind of faith in Jesus for salvation, I'm here to tell you, Bill, and I hope this is helpful for our listeners today, that now Jesus reigns where? In your mind or in your conscience, so that you'll daily turn away from your sin, fight against it, and then turn to him forgiveness, for forgiveness. If people are interested in this, there's, there's a delightful... Uh, well, Luther, Martin Luther, when he wrote his Greater Galatians Commentary, if folks are interested in that, go online, see if you can read it, where he talks about Christ reigning in the conscience or in the mind instead of the law that makes accusations. It's just delicious. Oh, I bet. I love the dots you've connected, Brent, with the thorns and the uh, healing of our minds. That is so strong. I hope that's helpful for people. It, that's well, it's helpful for me. So thank you very much. I know it's helpful for others. Well, let's go to another wound, shall we? Yes, please. Okay, so um, um, he, was, he was flogged, he was whipped, and let's not forget that there were treble hooks on the end of that whip, and it would just tear off chunks of, of his back, oh. mm-hmm. you know, as the movie shows, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we should also consider, you know, all the haymakers to his face that's now swollen and bruised and bleeding. Yes. And, you know, I can't help but think of, you know, Jesus in Matthew 5 when he says, you know, if your enemy, and he's... He's got enemies right now on Good Friday, and in his passion. If your enemy slaps your right cheek, give him the other as well. Mm-hmm. Well, he's doing that right now, isn't he, when mm-hmm. he's passionately suffering for us. But, you know, normally speaking, when we hear those words from Matthew, we kind of are shocked by that. And if so, my point is this, is if, some, if my enemy hits me, I either hit them back or I start plotting in revenge to get them back. But Jesus, he doesn't do that. He presents the other cheek. And what does he do? He even prays for those who beat him to a pulp and hang him on the cross by saying, Father, forgive him. Now, those wounds on our Lord's back, those wounds on his face, those too are for our healing, because that blood that flows is is the blood that atones for all of our sin. And so um, let's put it this way. 
those wounds are, are for the healing of all the blows that uh, we've inflicted on others by our words or by our deeds or by our not doing anything, our inactivity. Mm-hmm. These wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ are the, are the healing of all the blows that people have inflicted on you. And people have experienced this in families. They've been slapped. They've been beaten by those who want to exert power over them. And I would even, I would even put it this way. Uh, the wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ on his back and his face, they are also for the healing of all the blows that we've inflicted upon ourselves in a wrong-headed way by trying to say, you know, if I just beat myself up enough, maybe God will forgive me. Maybe he'll finally feel sorry for me, and maybe I can make a deal with him. We, we need to be healed from that kind of false, false way of thinking. Amen. Boy, that good. All right. <clears throat> so, brothers and sisters in Christ, I, I want you all to behold the unblemished lamb, but yet he's, he's bruised, uh, and now he's blemished, if you will, and he is beaten by humanity's inhumanity because he bears the sin of the world in his body. So I want you to think, you know, you think of the Old Testament, you know, where Cain murdered Abel. Um, Jesus, that he's answering for that sin, um, atoning for it. Um, he's, he's suffering here for every prisoner of war, any abused wife or the beaten child. Uh, or maybe like in my case, when I was growing up, <laughs> the one who was always picked on on the playground and never picked to be on a team <laughs> and then beaten up because I wasn't like the others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus endures all this because, you know, human life matters. Your life matter, matters, brothers and sisters. And so by those Good Friday wounds, you're healed. Well, um, Brent, let, so, me, let me take a short break right now, if you okay. don't mind. Pastor Brent Kuhlman is my guest on this Blessed Good Friday. I'm so glad you can join me today as we're talking about the wounds of Jesus. We'll be right back after a short break. to you on the Sacred Good Friday. Pastor Brent Kuhlman is my guest. We're talking about the wounds of Jesus. We started with the crown of thorns, then to the flogging. And Brent, you're making some wonderful uh, analogies as to the price that Jesus paid on the cross for our sins and how we are um, now free to be not enslaved by the power of sin in our life if we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Yeah, that's right. So Isaiah 53 said that it is through his wounds we are healed. Mm-hmm. And what I want to, if we have the time, I'm going to do my best here. I want to look at his feet, um, his side, and then his hands. So let's, let's consider his wounded feet. Those wounds are for your healing as well, because from those feet flow the blood that atones for your sin, okay? And, you know, uh, Scripture teaches how beautiful are the feet <laughs> that bring good news. And you remember our Lord's feet? walked the dusty road, mm-hmm. Galilee and Samaria, etc., to bring the good news of God's kingdom to ears that had never heard it before. And now on the cross, brothers and sisters, his feet are mm, 
immobilized. Mm -hmm. They're pinned by the nails of injustice. Wow. You know, he walked the way of righteousness, didn't he, folks? Yes, he did. But now as, as he, the perfect and uh, sinless one, now he bears the sin of the world in his body. And so his feet then are bound to the cross as if they are the feet of a sinner. Now, don't misunderstand. He never sinned, and I'm not saying Jesus is a sinner. But as he carries the sin of the world in his body, as he answers for it, God the Father considers him to be the sinner in our place. So God the Father considers Jesus to be the one who is now ungodly as the one cursed by God, as Galatians 3.13 says, right? He's hung on a tree, is cursed. Now, my point in saying, in saying this is, so who can bear to look at these feet, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm telling you, we should. <laughs> we should, because they are for our healing, for the forgiveness of our sins, but also for the healing of our walk, for the healing of the use of our feet, huh? Because, as Isaiah says, we all know this, it's Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. We're prone to wandering, aren't we, with our feet? Yes. But with our, cruci- with our Lord's crucified and his bloody feet, he has sought us and he has found us. What mm-hmm. great joy. And so, especially as they're pierced and nailed to the cross. And so, you know, since you have been redeemed by those feet, <laughs> you can now use your feet to bring the good news of salvation to the people that you know, whether it's family members, friends, or others in your walk of life. And again, by his wounded feet, you're healed. Mm-hmm. All right, now uh, let's talk about his side. Can we just stay with... soldier? Go ahead. Can we stay with feet just for one more second? Oh, yeah. Because I, I, do, I do work with men who are in recovery from addiction, um, alcoholism, and usually when you relapse, it's because you are back in a familiar environment where you used and I said, every time you put your shoes on, uh, pray for your feet and your shoes, because wherever your shoes are going to be is where you're going to be. Yeah. So now maybe, now maybe you can add to what we've learned today from Isaiah 53. <laughs> you, can, you can show them or preach to them the wounded feet of Jesus. Exactly. To heal I, your walk. I yeah. plan to. I plan to. Uh, I hope that good. <laughs> All right. Now the soldier... The soldier pierced our Lord's side, right? Mm-hmm. And from his side flowed two things, blood and water. So essentially then his heart was pierced for you and for your salvation, for your transgressions. Um, and I'm here to tell you, folks, that our Lord Jesus and his heart is God's heart that pours out his life for the life of the world. Now, water and blood flowed from his side, this wound. And... Uh, 1 John 5 speaks of these two things, the water and the blood and the spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, generally speaking, Lutherans make this connection. I'm not sure if other—some Christians do as well. Some might not. They may disagree with this, but I'm going to go ahead and, and be daring today, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, Lutherans would, would preach it this way, that the water from this deep wound from his side flows straight into the baptismal font. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the blood then from his yawning wound flows straight into the chalice of the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. for our regeneration and for our healing. Um, for our, so I, I mentioned that his heart was pierced, you know, with this side piercing, if you will. And my point in saying that is this, is it's from his pierced and, pierced and wounded heart, then comes the healing of whose hearts? Ours, our sin-broken hearts. So that now through the blood of Jesus that purifies from all sin, we have a new heart. 
We have a cleansed heart. How's that spelled? F A I T H. And then that's a heart that beats with whose will? Not mine anymore, mm-hmm. but God's. And it's a heart that rejoices that Jesus died for me. And so then God would have good use of our hearts. And that would be then not only a heart that has faith in Jesus for salvation, but a heart that wants to sacrificially serve the neighbor in need. All right, if we've got time, let's t- can we talk about the hands? Oh, please. All right, let's, let's consider. So again, Isaiah says, by his wounds, we are healed. So now let's consider his wounded hands. Um, they're pierced all the way through, aren't they? Mm-hmm. By heavy nails, most likely. And, of course, they are fixed. His hands are fixed to the wood of the cross. And Mm. those wounds, brothers and sisters, are for the healing of your work with your hands as well. Um, I want people also, if I may, consider consider your hands, you know, and how marvelous God's created them. I mean, our hands are beautifully designed by our Lord for intricacy and and strength. We We can build, we can plant, we can sow. I don't know about you, but I used to push a pencil. Now I push keyboards. Mm-hmm. But we have can't, our hands can caress, our hands can comfort, our hands can hold. I can't wait to do that with my new, my new granddaughter after, after Easter. And with our hands, on the other hand, what have we done? We've sinned against God, and we've sinned against others, and we've worked evil rather than good. And so Jesus would, would use our redeemed hands to reach out and help and to serve to hold and to assist our brother or sister, maybe even a stranger or a man in the ditch. I'm thinking of the parable of the uh, Good Samaritan or anybody who's in need. As we consider our Lord's hands, um, let's, let's remember that our Jesus, his hands knew the work of Joseph's carpenter shop, you know, the splinter of wood, mm-hmm. the planer, if you will, the saws, the hammers, the nails, the glue. And Jesus, with his hands, probably had calluses to prove it, didn't he? Yeah, I bet he did. Here's my point. It's with those hands. With those hands, the Lord Jesus Christ reached out in his ministry to touch the untouchable, the lepers, the sinful woman, if you will, the blind man, etc. And let's push it even further, shall we? Our Lord Jesus Christ, with those hands, touched our humanity for our healing. And now those hands, since it's Good Friday, let's push it to its final conclusion here. Let's clinch it, okay? And with those hands nailed to the cross and um, (laughs) drenched with his divine blood, those hands now do their final and their greatest work, Bill. And what work am I talking about? I'm talking about this. This is the work that was needed to be done to win and achieve and accomplish our salvation, so that he could preach, and this, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cool minute now, I always do this, but it's for the sake of emphasis, <laughs> so that he could preach the most important sermon that was ever preached in the Bible from the cross, and it's this word, this sermon right here, it is finished. Wow. So from these wounds, Jesus can say, all the wounds that we've talked about, it's finished, which is to say the salvation job is done, <laughs> or let's bring it full circle now, or as Isaiah prophesied it, by his wounds, we are healed, both now, by faith, and forever in the resurrection of the body. And I hope everybody has a wonderful Good Friday (laughs) as a result of what we've talked about. Yeah, well, 
when you think of Good Friday, there there is never a day he would be less good to us than he was that day when he paid the ultimate penalty uh, for our sin and our waywardness. And like we are all sheep who have gone astray, each one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Thanks be to God he died for us and won our salvation through mm-hmm. those wounds. Yeah. It is uh, powerful. I, my emotions on this Good Friday are so at the surface. I mean, even as you're describing this, I just feel like I'm fighting back tears. Join the club, man. Yeah, I know. It's just you you (laughs) did such an artful job of of the description. And and when when I sit and think deeply about the the flesh that's being torn away from his body, and I understand, I think I I understand that when a a soldier or when a um, prisoner was uh, condemned to death, the soldiers were no longer held accountable for their behavior. So they could really do what they wanted with them. Yes, they could. Yeah, and they, they, were, uh, they were brutal. Well, the flogging could kill the person before they ever got crucified. Right. So sometimes they would put a stop to it so they could finally get the job done on the crucifixion job. Right, right. Yeah. Because yeah. it would expose uh, major organs, or if not expose them, actually grab them and pull them out. Oh, okay. If they wouldn't stop the flogging. Yeah. Wow. But, all right, Brad, thank you so much. Bless, blessings to you and your family, and happy Easter, and thank you for being on the show. Dittos. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Pastor Brent Kuhlman has been my guest. He is the senior pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Murdoch, Nebraska. We'll take a short break, and we will be joined by uh, Rick Matheson. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.